the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along today for the Friday edition. It's been a heck of a week, hasn't it? I think it's the best edition. The best? I mean, if you're going to line up the editions. The Friday edition. I feel like Friday's a very good edition. It's an extra special edition. Although you don't want to, you know, sort of diss on Monday. Or Tuesday. I'm just saying if I had to pick an edition of the ride home with John and Kathy. Monday through Friday. Maybe I'd stick with Friday. We've never felt we've never filmed. Well, first of all, we don't film much. Although that's gonna be starting. Oh, that is true. That is something new. Maybe it's a good time for us to say that we're gonna we're gonna start uh, video streaming the show over the next thirty days or so. Right. So you'll see both of us live in studio. And it's gonna be such a disappointment to you guys. Yeah, I mean, who really wants to see is. us? Yeah, who no wants one. to see us? No, apparently, for some management thinks a lot of people. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I, don't I can't that. imagine anyone wanting to see us. No, no. Mike, do you want to see us Mm-mm. every day? Every day. <laughs> I get up in the morning. I say I need to see John and Kathy. Get out of here! Because you have a paycheck attached to That's us, right. so of course you want to see us. Yeah. All right, I'd like to be the first one to tell both of you. Tell me what your weekend has begun. Oh yes, five minutes past the five o'clock hour. <laughs> Why does that make me laugh every single time? It's so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait. So they're going to put a camera in here. I have to get a new wig. <laughs> I don't like that. I might go a little oh. red. I might, I might become a redhead. You need a this, Frank Sinatra toupee. That's what you need. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that I went into radio, yeah. that I love radio so much, is that I'm an, I'm an introvert. I'm shy. You're and the most extroverted introvert, introvert. Well, I know. But you know what I mean. Of course I, I would. And so the thought of being on camera every day for the show right. is just, you know, it's, but, you know, this is the way it is. Right. And so we're going to do it and we're going to be happy about it. Right. And Mike got a haircut today to celebrate. He looks fabulous. He was so concerned Thank about you. you and I being live streamed video wise that he went out and got a haircut. Right. I, I thought we were going to be live streaming today. So I made oh, sure to get You're ready to go. Right. And then I got my makeup ready and everything. Right. And, and plus, John and I were so dressed up this morning. It would have been the perfect time. Right. It would have. You know, I'm glad that, you know, we're both great. Well, thank you. We'll live stream so everyone can see Mike's handlebar mustache. <laughs> which I think is going to be just fabulous. I've always thought he looks a lot like Colonel Sanders. He loved us a little bit, with, especially with that string tie and the white suit. <laughs> I love Mike, the string tie. Mike, would you just relax, my friend? Please Him and relax. Jeffrey Chico. <laughs> Jeffrey Chico, mischievous. <laughs> anyway, we want to thank the uh, Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation and uh, 900 of their close friends who were out this morning at the Pittsburgh Prayer Breakfast. Yeah, it was excellent. Uh, started this morning at 730 <laughs> And Which felt like 4.30. If it did. <laughs> I went to bed at 1. Oh, my god! I'm still on West Coast time in internally. Mm-hmm. And so I was just – plus we have a lot of prep work for this event. Anyway, I was just trying to get it all together. Uh, I finally got into bed. I couldn't believe when I looked and saw it was 1 o'clock. And I thought, I have to get up in like four and a half hours. That's not sleeping. <laughs> That's like a nap. <laughs> that was not good. Anyway, we had a great time at the prayer breakfast. Oh, we, we sure were, did. We were yeah. grateful to MC it. Uh, Antoine Randall L was the – He brought it. He was – yeah. Yeah. 
He looks terrific. He sure does, yeah. He's a great uh, product of the city of Pittsburgh. I mean, yep. he's actually a product of Chicago, but for many years he played here. Yeah, he's a Won stealer. a Super Bowl here. Always be a stealer. Yep. Rabbi Jeffrey Myers from Tree of Life Congregation. Rabbi Jonathan Perlman from New Light Congregation. It was a big mix, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were there as well. Yeah, so we were happy to be there. Thanks to uh, PLF. And we did dress up. We did get dressed up. You have to dress up, Mike. You can't yeah. just yeah. show up and wear your... I like to get dressed up. Do you? Yeah. I would like – this is what I've proposed to Lisa Slayton, who's the president of the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation. She does such an outstanding job. But what is upsetting is that she's never taken me seriously with this. Why can't we have a prayer dinner? Why does no one yeah. want – why do we have to gather that early in the morning? Like we It's could, problematic. We could be happier, all of us, if we were there later. That's my, that's my contention. So. I don't think it would have – you know, because you make the extra sacrifice to wake up early. What's wrong with you? I just like <laughs> to start things later. You know, I do. I mean, I don't think prayer breakfast like in a, what, a burger kind of go Seriously, hand does anybody hand. ever have a prayer dinner? Ever? Oh, I'm sure they do. No, I don't think they do. Everybody has a prayer breakfast. No, people have prayer dinners or prayer luncheons. You can have a prayer luncheon. How about we have a prayer luncheon? Yeah. I'm well, down for that. Yeah. I'd like to have a salad, please, mm-hmm. and let's pray. Mm-hmm. It'd be fine. But nobody. But I keep asking every year. Right. No one. The irony is, it's a prayer breakfast, and you and I never eat. I know we've never eaten no. breakfast a single year that we've done this. I had a banana. Right, and I had half of a scone, <laughs> which, by the way, was delicious. Sure, it as was. I was running out the door because my stomach was growling. Right. Anyway, thank you to everybody who was at the oh prayer gosh. breakfast this morning. We had a wonderful time. We have a little video on our Facebook page of, a, of everyone praying. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. I'm glad you put that up. Oh, I did. Yeah. Great. Surprise. I, just, I literally just got a text from Gary Dixon. Uh, did you shoot the video of the prayer breakfast on posted on Facebook? I said, no. He said, whoever did it has a pretty steady hand. John. That's John me. Hall. Yep, that's me. Because, uh-huh. you know, I had a couple of cups of coffee. I had a little shake. Hey, let's go. What on? I mean, everybody, well, we're going to pray right now. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to move our attention from Pittsburgh to the state of Georgia, John, because breaking news, dozens of Hollywood actors are pledging to not do any more work in the state. They potentially are done with Georgia. Okay. So this, let me guess here. This is like uh, people, like Pittsburgh has one of these, or the state of Pennsylvania. They have a film commission. Yes. And And the state of Georgia's film commission is tasked with enticing Hollywood films to shoot in the state. For tax breaks and incentives, which provides a lot of jobs for local people and pumps millions of dollars into the local economy. Mm -hmm. However, since Georgia has now enacted a new abortion law. Called the Heartbeat Bill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the Heartbeat Bill does what? Well, it would ban most abortions after six weeks from conception or, as the nickname suggests, when a heartbeat can be detected. The Georgia House of Representatives has not yet voted on the bill. The governor is expected to sign it if and when the House passes it. Okay. So then Hollywood is upset because how dare you stop having abortions at all. Let's go right to the horse's mouth. Let's see what these actors have said. Okay. This is a letter addressed to the governor. I'll just give you highlights. Okay. Also to the Honorable David Ralston, who's Speaker of the House. Okay. Gentlemen, as actors, I, f- I feel like we should have some self-important music somehow streamed behind us. I don't know what that would be. Self-important but. music. <laughs> Could you, you want to Google that? Uh, I don't know if that's a genre. <laughs> but, Alexa, uh, play self-important yeah. music. What would you come up with? Not a- Tupac. <laughs> Nope. What would you come up with? As actors, our work often brings us to Georgia. We've always found your state to be populated with friendly, caring people. We found the hotels in which we stay and restaurants in which we dine when filming there to be comfortable and of a high quality. But, John and Mike, we cannot 
in good conscience, continue to recommend our industry remain in Georgia if House Bill 481 becomes law. Mm. Do you know why? Mm. This dangerous and deeply flawed bill mimics many others which have already been deemed unconstitutional. Constitutional? Oh, yeah, that's good. that sounds self-important. Hey, we're Hollywood. <laughs> as men who identify as small government conservatives... We remind you that government is never bigger than when it is inside a woman's body or in her doctor's office. This bill would remove the possibility of a woman receiving reproductive health care. That's one of my favorite terms, reproductive health care. Before most even know they're pregnant and force many women to undergo unregulated, hidden procedures at great risk to their health. We can't imagine being elected officials who had to say to their constituents, I enacted a law that was so evil, it chased billions of dollars out of our state's economy. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Would you like to know who signed this bill? Yep. Okay. There's several signatories that you might recognize. Uh, Christina Applegate. Oh, yeah. Alec Baldwin. What? Michael Ian Black. Mm. Uh, Don Cheadle. Oh, uh, I'm just going through people yeah, that I sure recognize. That that. Mini Driver, oh. Mia Farrow, mm. Adam Goldberg, oh. uh, Colin Hanks, Michael Kelly, uh, uh, Deborah Messing, Alyssa oh. Milano, mm. uh, Rosie O'Donnell, mm. Patton Oswalt, Sean Penn, uh, Amy Schumer, mm. Michael Sheen, Sarah Silverman, mm. Ben Stiller. Uh, Bradley Whitford. Now, I couldn't give a flying care what these people think about a house bill in Georgia. No. Why don't they just butt out? Just leave the people in Georgia to decide on their own. Because they live there. They work there. They pay taxes there. It's not your business. Thank you. Good gravy. Just because you make movies does not make you somehow the like cultural watch people to determine that a bill – that protects human life after a heartbeat's detected is, quote, unquote, so evil. Yes. A box of popcorn, shadows on a screen. It gives me the right to legislate morality. Jerry Boyer coming up next. Are we people of principle or do we just curry favor with people in power? We'll talk to him next. WORD. She worked at Planned Parenthood for eight years, and then she witnessed something that would cause her to leave the organization forever. On the next Focus on the Family, Abby Johnson talks about being a pro-choice Christian for years and how the power of prayer led her to a dramatic change of heart. Next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. First Mortgages, Impact Mortgage Group, DBA Cash Call Mortgage. 19500 Jamboree Road, Irvine, California, 92612. NMLS 128-231. Equal housing lender, not licensed in all states, including New York. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. Okay, here's the deal. You're a freelancer, a hired hand, a self-made, self-owned business of one. Whether you're a contractor, creative director, or consultant, you're the boss. And that makes things easy. Unless, of course, you're trying to get a mortgage. When it comes to qualifying for a cash-out refi, gig economy workers come with more obstacles, more complexities, and more stress, right? Wrong. Dial 800-815-0745, and one of our cash-out mortgage specialists will help you qualify for the lowest interest loan possible, regardless of your source of income. 
It's the easiest call you'll make all day. Dial 800-815-0745. That's 800-815-0745. Make the cash call today. That's 800-815-0745. My Pillows, Mike Lindell, is on a mission to help you get the best sleep of your life. Hey, this is John Hall, and he certainly helped me. I love my pillow, as you well know. But now, Mike has gone the extra mile, nearly 6,000 miles, in fact, all the way to Giza in search of the best Egyptian cotton in the world to create the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. My Pillow's Giza Dreams bed sheets, luxuriously soft, breathable, and extremely durable. One night, and you'll never want to sleep on anything else. And right now, get a special 30% off My Pillow Dream Sheets with free shipping. Use promo code WORD when you call 800 391 0954 or place your order at mypillow.com. 60 day money back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800 391 0954 or visit mypillow.com. And be sure to use the promo code WORD for 30% off plus free shipping. Call 800-391-0954 or visit MyPillow.com. Sweet dreams from MyPillow. As parents, you're dedicated to seeing your kids live out God's call for their lives, to enter adulthood with discernment, integrity, biblical values, and the ability to thrive in work that's meaningful, to not only make wise and faithful decisions, but defend them as well. At Cornerstone Prep in West Mifflin, pre-K through 12th grade students thrive in an environment that fosters biblical discipleship and authentic education. Cornerstone Prep, ready for life at cornerstoneprep.net. Hey, things have been going great for the economy, haven't they? I mean, paying attention at home? Yeah, there are rumors now that things are slowing. Jerry Boyer's with us. Jerry is uh, editor editor of Town Hall Finance, uh, all things economy. Jerry's interested in. Jerry, welcome back. How you doing today, brother? Doing. Jerry, you there? I'm I'm fine. How are you guys doing? Good, real good. We're well. What do you think? Is the economy slowing? Yeah, yeah. It's been slowing for a couple of months now. Uh, I hope that's not political treason uh, <laughs> to say so. Yeah, yeah. We won't throw you um, off the show, Jerry. Yeah, because I kind of noticed that. Um, you know, I started saying that in December because there were a lot of indications of it. And I got a lot of pushback from, you know, fellow Republicans, because I guess the, the rule is that when your guy's in charge, everything's great. Um, and when your guy's not in charge, everything's terrible uh, and you're not allowed to add any nuance. I mean, I thought the tax cuts were a great idea. I supported them, but they petered out. Um, and there's some other factors like the trade war, which has actually caused the economy to slow down. So my job is to actually look at the data and tell you what it says. My job's not to tow a political line. I see. Um, and it's clearly saying that the economy was slowing down. It was saying that months ago, and now we have the results from the first quarter. We have the um, final numbers, and it grew. Um, excuse me, the fourth quarter, and it grew uh, at a lot less than the average rate. So we definitely have a slowdown going on. I see. So let's talk about the tax cuts first, Jerry, from your perspective. I mean, were the tax cuts too much? Were they instituted at the wrong time? No, the tax cuts were great. They were instituted at the right time, which means at the time, as soon as they could be instituted. Um, and that was a step in the right direction. But you can't, you know, cut taxes with one hand and then raise taxes with the other hand and expect just to get benefits. Um, and what we did is we cut business taxes for the most part and we cut individual taxes for the most part. Um, and then the president turned around almost immediately 
um, you know, at the beginning of um, last year and started hiking taxes on trade. Mm -hmm. So tax cuts were stimulative of growth and tax hikes were um, subtractive of growth. And as we went on through the year last year and got more and more trade worry, then those are those are tax hikes just because we call them tariffs. Tariff is just the name we call for trade taxes. They're still taxes. So Republicans, I thought, believed in low taxes, all of the taxes low. Uh, but uh, but we've been raising some taxes. So those things um, you know, kind of balance out. And, you know, what's interesting is last week, a guy I know named Steve Moore um, wrote an, an editorial for The Wall Street Journal. And this afternoon, another guy I know a lot better, Larry Kudlow, who's the head of the President's Council of Economic Advisors, just called upon the central bank to cut rates. Now, the point of cutting rates is it's supposed to stimulate the economy. So if everything's just wonderful Goldilocks, you know, um, uh, terrific growth, then why are the president's allies calling for a stimulative monetary policy? Why are they calling to goose the economy by printing money and pumping it into the economy if, if there's no slowdown? I mean, I can believe if they say the economy's great and it's growing like crazy and it's not slowing down, okay, I don't think the data supports that, but they're welcome to their opinion. Or they can say the economy's slowing down, so we need to goose it again with low rates, there's a coherence to that. Um, but to say the economy is really super terrific and it's not slowing down and we need to goose it, I'm sorry, I can't square that. That just seems like, you know, partisan talk rather than, you know, yeah. genuine analysis. Yeah, but that's part of how the president has portrayed his policies no matter what they are is if you know that they're the best policies ever and it's the best best presidency ever and that the economy is the best it's ever been and he said the Mueller investigation is the worst investigation that ever happened to any president I mean I just that's the way it seems that he thinks about things and so that's the way he's always labeled whatever it is he's talking about yes but we don't have to join him in that um, I agree with that he is a man of superlatives Right. That the Mueller investigation is the worst thing ever. Our country can't you know, go through this ever. Anything like it. It's treason, et cetera. Those are overstatements. By the way, I I think that it, there, I mean, I don't believe the Russian collusion thing. I never believed the Russian collusion thing. Um, but this is not the first time we've had, you know, politically motivated um, uh, you know, uh, um, legal investigations. Uh, so the president tends to split. He tends to say, that, you know, everything that he does is the greatest that's ever been. And everything that his enemies do is the worst that's ever been. Okay, that's the president. That's the bargain we made, right? As Christians, Christians generally supported him. You know, this is a guy who, you know, was really on our side on a lot of issues. And we held our nose on some issues. And we said, okay, we're going for him. I get that. But we don't have to become him. We can have an alliance. We can say that the president was supportive of our faith and he's not going to, you know, he's not going to shut down Christian radio and he's not going to do all these things that Hillary might have done. All right. I can understand that political bargain. But what I can understand is when we completely outsource our principles to the point where we simply talk like the president um, rather than support him and get into the same mindset where we throw out our principles um, and it, just because of political loyalty, and it's even beyond political loyalty now. It's almost cult of personality loyalty. I fully understand people supporting President Trump. He's done a lot of really great things, and most of my writing and most of my commentaries have been in favor of his good policies. But I'm also seeing a, a bit of a loss of credibility by some conservative leaders and some evangelical leaders who seem to have completely subsumed ourselves and our conscience to loyalty to the president. And I'm sorry, 
he, that's, not, that's not what we're called to be. We're called to have permanent principles and call them as we see them. When the president's right, say he's right, and when he's wrong, say he's wrong. Um, and I don't, I don't see people doing that. I see cer- certain people who are stuck on no matter what he says, it's perfect. And other people stuck on no matter what he says, it's terrible. Right. And, and I, I don't and think that's sane. It's not sane. And isn't that a sad statement on all of us that we can't? And, and I don't think any, it seems as if we are increasingly unable to, that we all want that for ourselves too, is that we only want to hear the good things. It's like as soon as one person opposes us or disagrees with us, all of a sudden it's like a gigantic issue that you've, you know, somehow threatened me or made me feel unsafe or whatever it is. We're just, I don't know, we're just weak. But is that the same thing that you could say about it? a President Obama supporter, that no matter what the President Obama did, everything was rosy and the other side was just horrible? Yeah, I'd say that's right. I'm not saying that just of the of the never-Trumpers and the ever-Trumpers. Um, it didn't start with him, um, and I'm not even sure it started with Obama. I think it's been something that we've gradually been moving towards, which is that instead for Christians, Jesus is the plumb line. Um, and to the degree that somebody's yes. like Jesus, we say that's good. And to the degree that somebody is unlike Jesus, we say that's a falling short. That's, that's how it's supposed to work. I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing Christians who are either ever Trumpers, whatever he says is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, who cares about payoffs to porn stars? Mm-hmm. He's not our pastor, after all. Same people who in the late 90s were all over you know, President Clinton, because if he can't keep a promise to his wife, how can he keep a promise to the Constitution? Now, I understand that there's a, there's a legitimate debate. You know, can you be a good president and unfaithful to your wife? And right. there are people who make reasonable arguments. You know, John Kennedy was a good president, but he cheated on Jackie. Okay. And there are people who make the other arguments. What I can't understand is that most of the country has switched positions. Yeah. So the people who were defending Clinton saying, well, stop being Puritans and we should be grownups like the, like the Europeans and understand that private life doesn't matter – um, now are all over the Stormy Daniels stuff. And people who in the late 90s, James Dobson, the cetera, were saying, hey, if he, you know, he, you wouldn't have him babysit your children, would you? Well, then he shouldn't be president, are now all over giving President Trump a mulligan. Mm-hmm. I mean, either these principles are principles or they're not. Um, and, and if we don't use them consistently across political divides, then they never were really principles. They were just political weapons pretending to be principles. Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry is editor of Town Hall Finance. So, Jerry, I was just talking the other day on the air about the, um, the passage in Matthew 22 when the Pharisees tried to nab Jesus in a uh, conversation about politics and religion, right? So, you know, they say, you know, what's your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And of course, his unbelievable, I mean, uh, it goes without saying that this is the perfect reply because of who we're talking about. But it says here, Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius and he asked them, whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they said. Then he said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. So from your perspective, Jerry, what is this? What's this principle that it's telling us about how we should or shouldn't interact with politics? Well, I, I mean, it's a great passage that you've talked about. I mean, I guess they're all great passages, but <laughs> um, I, I haven't found any bad ones yet. Right. Um, but there's, there's deep stuff going on here, right? So there's a couple, there's, there's an interesting part that's not in the passage. 
which is, you know, they send a messenger to go find a denarius. You know, they said, hey, boy, go find a denarius. Um, why didn't they send anybody to get a denarius? Because they already had one. Mm. Because they used them. Because everybody did. These people weren't walking around using shekels. They were using the denarius. So Jesus is already exposing them. They might complain about Caesar's money, but they were using Caesar's money. So they were engaged in a bit of hypocrisy, right? That they're kind of saying, oh, well, you know, Caesar's image is on, so I guess it's idolatrous. And it's like, well, might be. It's more honest than a temple shekel, and you're using it. Mm-hmm. So you might be complaining about Caesar, but, you, you know, Caesar actually has an honest mint, and you, you religious leaders don't have an honest mint. That's the background, by the way, when Jesus is confronting the money changers. It's not that he doesn't want ATMs at church. It's that he want, doesn't want dishonest ATMs at mm-hmm. church. The temple shekel was not an honest shekel. Um, whereas Caesar, for all his flaws, had honest money. Um, I mean, that didn't last forever. Nero eventually debases the currency, but, you know, but up until then, it was honest money. But there's something else going on. I mean, think about what Jesus' argument is. Jesus' argument is, whose image is on this? Oh, Caesar's image is on this coin. Therefore, it belongs to Caesar. What is the unexpressed premise? The unexpressed premise is, if your image is on something, it belongs to you. Otherwise, Jesus' argument doesn't make any sense. Right. If if the image being on something did not, you know, connote um, ownership, then Jesus's argument falls apart. So if the form of argument is if the image is on something, then it's owned by that person. Caesar's image is on the currency. Therefore, it's Caesar's. Therefore, you should give it back to him. Okay. well, that really begs a question, doesn't it? Whose image is on Caesar? Right. Right? If Caesar's image on the money means the money belongs to Caesar, then God's image on Caesar means Caesar belongs to God. So Caesar does not have an independent zone of authority from God. Caesar is owned by God. So whatever authority Caesar has, it's subordinate to God's authority. And the job of the, of the church, the job of the Jews at that time, and then later the job of the church, is actually to render Caesar back to God, to convert Caesar. Um, to you know, to to tell Caesar that he owes that he that God owns him. If Caesar says that's my money because my my image is on it, you can say that that's right. It has your image on it, so it's your money. You have God's image on you, so you belong to God. So God claims everything. This 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 passage has been so misused over the centuries, as though Caesar God has a zone has like a slice of the world. There's a slice of the world that God owns, and there's another different slice of the world that Caesar owns. Bunk. God owns everything, including Caesar. Amen to that. Jerry Boyer's with us. Jerry writes: We've moved from loyalty to God to loyalty to country, then loyalty to ideology, then loyalty to party, and now finally loyalty to personality. Jerry Boyer's with us. He'll stick around for a while. We hope that you do as well. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then. She saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, O negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you. And Jen. 
Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation. Giving from the heart. The following statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Amber in trials tested mild to moderate symptoms. Testimonial is based on 90 days of use. Results may vary. Nielsen US XAOC 52 weeks dollar sales. Hi, I'm Mary Lou Retton, and I want to talk to you about something I haven't liked to talk about until now, my menopause. All my life, I've had energy, energy to win gold in 84. But when menopause hit me with the hot flashes and night sweats, I began to feel sluggish every day. That all changed when I discovered Amberin. Amberin safely relieves 12 menopause symptoms by helping to restore your hormonal balance. Amberin is 100% drug-free and estrogen-free. Amberin is America's number one menopause relief supplement in dollar sales. Thanks to Amberin, my fear of hot flashes is gone. My sheets aren't soaked every night, and my energy is back. Give Amberin a try and see what it can do for you. It works. It really works. Hurry to your Walmart, Walgreens, Target, and other fine retailers nationwide and get Amberin today. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. The T.J. Martell Foundation, music's promise for a cure. To learn more, visit TJMartell.org. That's TJMartell.org. Cloudy but mild for tonight, the low 52. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, breezy, and mild with a couple of showers and even a thunderstorm around for the afternoon. High 65 will turn much colder tomorrow night with periods of rain in the evening, ending as some wet snowflakes later on, the low 32. Brisk and much colder Sunday with a few flurries, high 37 degrees. I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle on AM 1250, The Answer. Always happy to welcome Jerry Boyer to the program. Jerry Boyer is the editor of Town Hall Finance. Hey, Jerry, talk to us about, you made reference uh, as you joined us earlier on, about the uh, so-called trade war with China. I think, you know, whenever this first came into conversation and President Trump said, I'm going to take China on, things have been out of balance for so long, it's deeply unfair. I think a lot of people got excited by that because you think, oh, yeah, really? This is really going to happen? Someone's going to talk to China and put their feet to the fire for the first time? You're saying that this is not working. Tell us about this. Well, yeah, it's not working, and kind of as a continuation of the previous conversation, I understand that there are people whose belief is that we ought to raise taxes on imports in order to support you know, local American businesses. I get that. I understand that there are other people who believe that we shouldn't you know, tax these and that we should have more trade. Um, what's weird to me is that those two groups of people have completely done gainers on this, um, used to be on diving team. Remember what a gainer is? Yeah, you of course. Forward and then you do a backflip, right? Um, is that both sides have done gainers on this. So the people who were free traders before are now protectionists, and the people who were protectionists before are free traders. So I mean, that's a problem, right? Um, my personal view is that we should have low trade taxes because we should have, have low taxes in general, um, and that there are problems with trade balances, and they're due to other issues, and that raising taxes will not be the solution. By the way, We've been doing it for a year, 
and we have lately had the largest trade deficits in history. So if the idea is that we're going to engage in a trade war to shrink our trade deficits, well, it hasn't worked. It's moved in the opposite direction. We are actually increasing our trade deficits. And the reason is because the people of China are not inert. Um, they respond. So we raise taxes on their exports to us, and you know what they do? They raise taxes on our exports to them. So it's not like they don't just take it. They respond in kind, and that's what trade wars are. You know, we provoke them, they provoke us, or maybe they provoked us first. I mean, does it really matter? We're provoking each other, and we're harming our own – we're harming their exporters to us, and then they're harming our exporters to them. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we're importing less steel, and that's good for the steel industry, and we're in Pittsburgh. But then they're taxing soybeans, and they're taxing pork. So our pork farmers – are now getting hit with that. They're not fat cats. They're people with dung on their boots, and they're getting hit. Um, so I think we need to step back a little bit and talk about ending this trade war and getting back on track with uh, global trade because mm -hmm. it's not helping us. It's shrinking global growth. It's hurting the stock market, and it is exploding the trade deficits that allegedly we're supposed to uh, do away with. It's not, it ain't working by any, by any mathematical standard and by any evidentiary standard. It's not working. So when the president came into office and he decided to start this type of policy, um, from your perspective, what would have worked to regulate the trade deficit? Um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm not into regulating the trade deficit. It's okay to have trade deficits. Mm -hmm. Some countries have them. It's, uh, we've had trade deficits for 150 years, and we were the envy of the world. So I wouldn't get hung up on that. Um, but, I, you know, look, we've seen deindustrialization here in Pittsburgh, um, right? So there, are, there is a problem. Our problems generally started when we abandoned the gold standard. We broke our covenant with the world, and we abandoned just weights and measures. And in ways that are kind of complicated to talk about, what that ended up doing is it helped big government because it was, it was a way that government could borrow money from the world, and it hurt industrial workers. So, you know, for 200 years, we didn't have a problem of deindustrialization. From the founding of America up until about 1972, our industrial base just grew and grew and grew and grew. And then we broke our national covenant, abandoned the constitutional standard, and had unbacked money. And since then, our industrial base has been shrinking. So let's deal with the root cause, um, which is stable money. When you have unstable money, it causes chaos in lots of different places. So I'm not ignoring the pain of, of workers. By no, how could I? I mean, I live here, right? I'm just saying get at the real cause. Um, so here's what we do now. We tax steel imports, okay, that helps steel workers, uh, and aluminum imports, that helps people work for Alcoa, but it hurts Boeing. So it hurts other Americans. See, these tariffs, we act like tariffs are a way that we favor American workers over foreign workers, but that's not what really happens. Tariffs are a way that we favor some American workers over other American workers. Mm -hmm. So do we really want to say steel workers are important, but pig farmers aren't? Um, or uh, people who work in aluminum industry are important, but people who build jet planes aren't? I don't think so. I don't think we should be picking winners and losers. I think what we ought to do is go with freedom, um, and the government shouldn't mess it up with, um, you know, with chaotic, uh, chaotically fluctuating currency values, which have done a lot of harm, and they've done a lot more harm in Pittsburgh probably than they have done in most places in the world. Jerry Boyer's with us. Jerry is going to stick around for another segment. Please hope that uh, you do as well. Uh, Town Hall, that's where Jerry Boyer is. You can also look for him on Facebook as well. We'll be back in a few minutes.
93.5 WORD. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends. With the best new music. New music. New music from Big Daddy Weave Alive. Resurrected by Elevation Worship. of our God, new from the Newsboys, the, the best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites, sponsored by Trinity Jewelers, 101.5 WORD on the weekend. Hi, it's me, Marsha, at the Springhouse. Did you know Easter's springing up on us? And quickly, too. Do you know what that means at the Springhouse? Well, first of all, it means you can enjoy the freshest, tastiest fried or baked cod every Friday night on the farm. It also means it's time to call and order your Springhouse Easter goodies. Our hickory smoked hams are extra special. We use only real hickory wood from the farm to slowly smoke these old-fashioned treats to perfection. Order a whole or half, and we'll send along cooking instructions, too. Mmm, how about Springhouse scalloped potatoes and homemade applesauce to go without ham? Finish off your meal with a from-scratch Springhouse coconut cream pie or custard pie or a chocolate log cake. Oh, and you can even decorate your table with our adorable bunny breads and eat them, too. Easter also means our annual Springhouse Easter egg hunt and Palm Sunday feast. Check us out at springhousemarket.com for all the details. Celebrate this most joyous holiday at the Springhouse in 84, Pennsylvania. Hey, Pittsburgh, this is Tun Shilkin for my good friends at Calusi Chevrolet. Now during truck month, current GM lessees can save $11,490 off the MSRP on select 2018 Silverado pickups or take advantage of 0% APR financing for up to 72 months. Must qualify. You can buy with confidence knowing that the team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years. Check them out at Calusi.com. Chevrolet. Find new roads. Timeless wisdom, encouraging proverbs, and powerful promises. At BibleStudyTools.com, we aim to provide the best free resources for knowing the Word of God and applying its powerful truths to your life. Use BibleStudyTools.com's daily Bible verse for inspiration as you start each day. Find powerful verses on more than 300 topics that relate to your life's challenges and needs. Verses to encourage your soul, lift your spirit, and strengthen your faith. Visit BibleStudyTools.com. That's BibleStudyTools.com. Creation Fest 2019 is coming. Join us with your family and friends for a weekend of worship like no other. Over 70 artists like Skillet, Hillsong Worship, Crowder, Elevation Worship, Carrie Joe, 10th Avenue North, and Mendisa. As well as over 15 speakers like Bob Legs, Reggie Dabbs, and David Nasser. Be a part of the creation worship experience in the beautiful mountains of central Pennsylvania. Go to creationfest.com to find out more. That's creationfest.com. Unplanned, based on a life-changing true story. My name is Abby Johnson. I used to be the director of this clinic. The Daily Wire says Planned Parenthood is not going to like it. America wants abortion, which is why we exist. Glenn Beck says you have never seen anything like this. We've managed to make an enemy of one of the most powerful organizations on the planet. Unplanned. Now playing. Visit unplanned.com for tickets. Rated R. Hey, welcome back. Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry's the editor at Town Hall Finance. 
So, Jerry, I want to move on and talk about secondary education a little bit, because that's something that the president's also talked about in the last couple of weeks. Um, two stories that come to mind uh, over the last month or so. A Harvard professor whose name escapes me right now, recently hired by Harvey Weinstein's defense team. Um, this is a professor from Harvard's law school. And because of him signing on with Harvey Weinstein's defense team, there's a whole petition circulating at Harvard that now they feel students who've signed the petition feel unsafe because they have a law professor who's actually decided to defend someone who's going to be on trial for something. Um, Hard for me to believe that law students don't understand the right to uh, a defense. So that that's one story that pops to mind. The second one is the story of Samuel Abrams, who's a professor at Sarah Lawrence College, who wrote an op-ed for the New York Times um, talking about some things that were going on on a college campus. And now there is a, a similar situation, a petition that's been circulated by university students that because of his New York Times editorial and his perspective as a conservative, they feel unsafe um, and that he should be eliminated from the faculty. So this yeah. brings me to the president saying, look, you know, we need to somehow enforce the idea that there should be free speech on college campuses. An executive um, order. An executive order. So it also you you figure in how unbelievably unholy expensive secondary education is that it's right. it's hard to even get your head around. Yeah, and that expense is part of it because the power has shifted now. Uh, I mean, the more expensive a college education is, the more consumer power you have. Uh, so the more it becomes something more like retail you know, where the students are in a power position because they're, they're paying too much. And when you pay too much, you expect a much higher level of service. And in this case, the much higher level of service is shut up, a professor. I don't like what you're saying. I mean, of course, it's all kind of a kabuki dance. It's all what Jesus would call a hypocrites, a play acting thing. Because when these students say they feel unsafe, that's not really what's going on. I mean, really, it's the professors who, who's unsafe. Right. The accusation, when I say I feel unsafe with you around, what I'm really saying is you are an unsafe person. So it's really an accusation. So mm-hmm. in, in some sense, it's right. You are an unsafe person because once I've made that accusation, you're in deep trouble. I mean, I kind of like to look at this from a bigger point of view as an economist. This is late stage bubble stuff. This is where the clients are overpaying and the customers are overpaying and they know that they might not be getting the benefit commensurate with the, with the service that they're getting. So they're pushing for higher and higher and higher levels of service, including kowtowing and being able to bully their professors. I don't think this system can last long. I have no problem with, with the president wanting to deal with it. But I don't think executive orders are going to solve this problem. I think the whole system mm-hmm. is in severe bubble territory, and it has to crash. Um, and I think Christians ought to be thinking about well, how do we deal with it? You know, how, how, how do we act post-crash, and how are we enabling this system? And I would argue that often what I see is Christian parents, their view is send their children to the quote-unquote best school the, children, the child can get into – which means if they can get that the children get into can get into a prestigious school, even if it's Marxist and atheist um, and sexually, whatever revolutionary in character, you still go there and you still pay the outlandish fees. If believing evangelical and Roman Catholic and Orthodox Jews um, and traditional Hindus and Muslims refuse to participate in that system, it would crash pretty pretty quickly. Right. We, we we keep it alive with our tuition dollars. We say God is first, 
but you, you give them the, the expense of prestige um, college education, even if it undermines your faith, because social status might actually be the higher functional value. Which brings up, in some ways, the um, admissions scandal across the uh, Ivy League schools in this country, where some people are paying tens or if not hundreds of thousands, perhaps more than yeah. that, to get their kids into school. Yeah, it really does bring that up. And I mean, that's not just a college story. That's really a ruling class story. Because, I mean, if you bribe your way in, are you really the most qualified? The whole idea of prestigious education was that it was supposed to be a meritocracy, right? And the idea is being a meritocracy, it creates social mobility. So we're going to take the smartest kids, whether they're from, whether they're the grandchildren of slaves or whether they're from the Appalachian Mountains or they can be from New Canaan, Connecticut, wherever they're from, the smartest kids will get into our universities and there'll be social mobility. And what we find is that there's nothing revolutionary about it. It keeps the ruling class in power. So it undermines the credibility of those colleges severely. I mean, I really think it's over in many ways for those colleges in terms of credibility, but it also undermines the ruling class that goes there. I mean, that's been going on for a long time. I mean, these are the people sure. who gave us the Vietnam War. So, I mean, the best and brightest. But so many failures. And now this, I think that this really goes to the idea that we don't believe our betters, quote unquote betters, really are better anymore. Right. And I just I think that's over now. I think we no longer believe in our ruling class. Right. Uh, and and I should. think for anyone who is cynical and said, well, the system's rigged. All you got to do is look at that and go, man, is that super rigged? Yeah, it is, um, especially the part of the system that's dependent on prestige education um, and the various ways that we select people for government service or professions that involve, you know, the, like you go to the right, go to the right um, uh, prep school, you go to the right high school so you can go to the right college, so you can go to the right law school. So there's a whole tracking thing. And this is how we recruit the people who run our society. Um, and it's not working. I don't know that it ever was right. I don't know that it ever worked, but it doesn't work mm -hmm. anymore. Um, and you know, I think about Jesus told, you didn't call it a parable, but it's kind of like a parable. He said, when you go to a dinner, don't sit at the, don't push your way to the head of the table, sit at the base of the table, at the foot of the table. Uh, because if you push your way to the head of the table, the master of the feast might say, go down lower. And I think what we've had is for a couple of generations now, we haven't had rule by the most intelligent, let alone rule by the most wise. We've had rule by the most ambitious. We've had rule by the people who push their way, shove and claw and cheat their way to the head of the table. And now Providence is in every institution telling all of those people, uh-uh, no more, go down to the foot mm -hmm. of the table. Yeah. Jerry, what, isn't it strange how we're now conferring status based on where people have been accepted into school. This is something that is such a, it's so, it, it fills me with a sense of wonder that we could be, that, that these parents were paying, as John said, hundreds of thousands or even over a million dollars to get their kid into school that obviously they're not, they were not able to attain on their own and probably won't be able to stay in. If they weren't able to get in, I, I doubt that they would be able to stay in. But just going there somehow gives them some gravitas. Like I, you yeah. know, just being accepted. Yeah, I don't remember whose, whose piece this was. Might have been Ben Shapiro a couple months ago. Him saying that when he started out, I'm not sure if he went to Harvard or Yale, but when he started out there, his very first day... The president of the school said, your life is different after today because you have been accepted here. 
I thought to yes. myself, you haven't even done anything. You haven't even passed a class yes. or gotten a job or learned anything. Yeah, right. Acceptance in an Ivy League school is supposed to be a marker, right? Let's put it this way. Graduation from an Ivy League school was supposed to be a marker of merit, of intelligence, um, knowledge, merit, etc. And then acceptance got to be a marker for that. But we've gotten to the point where it's markers all the way down. You know, remember that, what, that you know, that, that uh, woman said, you know, well, what's on top of the, what's the turtle on top of? Well, okay, he's on top of a turtle. Yeah. Well, what's he on top of? Well, it's turtles all the way down, right? I, I, you can't fool me. It's turtles all the way down. It's like we had all these things which were signals that maybe there's virtue or maybe there's wisdom or maybe there's knowledge. But like Jesus suggests when he talks about hypocrites, hypocrites, which isn't people who say one thing and believe another. It's about people who are play actors. Mm. That's what the hypocrites is a mask. It's a mask. We're, we're to the point where our society is all markers, no, no reality. So we have all these things that are supposed to point towards, oh, well, they're hardworking, or oh, well, they're honest, or oh, well, they're smart. But increasingly, those things are empty markers. They point to things that aren't real. And that's unsustainable. My point only is the, we're holding it up. When Christians are, what, a third of society, a half of society, depending on how we define them, we're a big enough group that if we stop believing in this nonsense, nobody would believe in it anymore. Um, so, you know, we're, we're the ones who point at the naked emperor and say, naked, but we don't. I see it among Christians. We're still impressed by Harvard, Princeton, Yale all the time. Well, if we're impressed by it, then why are we surprised that the world's still impressed by it, even though it has long ago become something empty? Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry is the editor of Town Hall Finance. We need to step away for just a few minutes. Stay with us. Jerry's going to stick around as well. Be right back. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. I'm Alexandra. I'm the styling director at Guilt Group. I've always believed that when a woman is in an outfit that she loves, she not only looks amazing, but she feels amazing too. What am I working for? To inspire confidence through style. At ADP, we're designing a better way to work so you can achieve what you're working for. HR, talent, time, benefits, and payroll. Informed by data and designed for people. Learn more at design.adp.com. My neighbors always ask me, Hey Pete, how do you keep your yard so nice? Pete makes it simple with a Scott's Turf Builder feeding program. It's the best way to get a greener, stronger lawn, guaranteed. All it takes is four easy feedings, just once in early spring, late spring, summer, and fall. Providing your lawn the nutrition and weed control it needs to stay lush and green. So, now you know my secret. This is a Scott's Yard. Pick up a Scott's Turf Builder program today. Hey, Pittsburgh, this is Tunch Ilkin for my good friends at Calusi Chevrolet. If you've been thinking about buying or leasing a new car, there's never been a better time than right now. This month only, Calusi will give you $1,000 above Kelly Blue Book trade-in value on your current vehicle. Plus, with current factory incentives, the savings are huge. 
So remember, you can buy with confidence knowing the team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years. Check them out at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. We're talking to Jerry Boyer. It's been a really fun hour with Jerry, editor of Town Hall Finance. Jerry, uh, we were talking about uh, higher education in the last segment. and um, Elite higher education. Elite higher education. And so for all the doom and gloom and all the angst that uh, – that we've been producing, you know, you went to Robert Morris, as I remember. Uh, I did. Yeah. I, I went to Pitt and the Art Institute. John went to Point Park. Mike went to Valley Forge Bible College. Um, so, it, conferring, uh, you know, going to an Ivy League school is not the only path to success or happiness in life, right? So, our, our, somehow, our measure is wrong. Right. I I agree. Um, and I mean, after basically the first job or two, no one cares where you went, and no one even knows where you went. Um, so I think we need to stop kowtowing and genuflecting in the direction of elite education um, and maybe to some degree even higher education. You know, in 2008, I started writing articles about something I called the college bubble, mm-hmm. which is the idea that we had a housing bubble. And I remember I gave a speech to a group of accountants and we had talked about the housing bubble had burst in, and they said, what's the next bubble? And I said, you know, I kind of said a quick prayer, Lord, what's the next bubble? And out popped higher education. Um, and so I wrote about it. It wasn't my idea. Sir John Templeton said, we had a housing bubble. Next is our higher education bubble. No, and, and people thought I was nuts. I mean, that was like the craziest idea in the world in 2008 and 2009. Now I think people see we have a higher education bubble. The world needs welders a lot more yeah. than it needs medieval French literature majors. Um, and I think there's a great leveling going on in the in, in Providence, which is – you know, more coding, more labor, more entrepreneurial skill, mm. more hustle, more grit, more honesty, and a little less of, um, you know, elite higher education, which basically gives you an entry-level job as a barista, um, where you make a tenth of what a decent welder would make. Right. So there is hope, right, Jer? It's all hope. I mean, I, gee, I hope this didn't sound like doom. When, when God pops the empty bubbles of the world, that's so that real things can come to the top. So I'm, this is all hope for me. This is all optimism. Um, if these bubbles weren't popping, if people still believed in elite education, if people still believed in you know, political leadership, if people still believed in the honesty of our political system, if people still believed in all that stuff, I would be very depressed uh, and very pessimistic. But in every area of life, God in his providence is destroying the credibility of empty institutions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For what reason? Not just because he wants to send people from the head of the table back to the foot, but so that he can bring other people from the foot of the table up to the head. Mm. That's, the, that's the reason for hope. This is, that's part of why these things are being popped. So the world is longing for people of integrity. The world is longing for the Christian community. Our job is to be that. We, we, uh, we do that then there's reason for hope. Excellent. Jerry, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. God bless you both. And you as well. Jerry Boyer, editor of Town Hall Finance. That's good stuff. Yep. I mean, holy smokes. And we just need a perspective. We need to keep, we need to keep the perspective that what the world is telling us is not the, the, the goals that they're advocating don't have to be our goals. The problem is it's such a big drumbeat. Yeah, it is a big drumbeat. And it's easy to fall in line with that and the go, wait a second, the parade's going by. Huge, I'm missing right? this. Right. So that's good news. Yeah. 
Hey, stick around. We've got a great 5 o'clock hour as well. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Mueller report because it's in. And uh, all the people from the attorney general to the deputy attorney general to you name it um, have commented on it. Well, we know someone who used to be the deputy attorney general. It's Paul McNulty, who's also the president of Grove City College. He's going to talk about the Mueller investigation, seeing it from the inside. WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump is threatening to close parts of the southern border next week unless Mexico's president does more to stop illegal crossing. In a series of tweets, Mr. Trump calls on Congress to change what he calls our weak immigration laws. He goes on to say, if Mexico doesn't immediately stop all illegal immigration coming into the United States through our southern border, I will be closing the border or large sections of the border next week. The tweets come just days after Customs and Border Protection Commissioner Kevin McAleenan said immigration enforcement had reached a breaking point. Correspondent Wally Hines reporting. Congress will receive a redacted version of special counsel Robert Mueller's report on the Russia investigation by mid-April, according to Attorney General William Barr. On Wall Street, the Dow by 211 points. The Nasdaq rose 60. The S&P advanced 19. This is SRNU. Come on, kids. We're late. Honey, the car won't start. Mom, the dog just sat on my science project. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork, or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases, with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day, with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to GetEthos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. GetEthos.com. GetEthos.com. On April 5th, don't miss The Best of Enemies. Starring Academy Award nominee Taraji P. Henson. I play Anne Atwater, a civil rights activist who was able to approach hate with love. And Academy Award winner Sam Rockwell. All the better if you don't get my way. Well, I'm going to get in your way. If you change one heart, you can change the world. I have a Bible. Then you ought to know. Same God made you, made me. The Best of Enemies. Based on the untold true story rated pg-13 may be inappropriate for children under 13 in theaters april 5th it's getting harder and harder to make sense out of today's headlines to stay on top of breaking world and national news with a christian worldview and a faith-based perspective on what it means turn to christianheadlines.com log on to christianheadlines.com for the very latest news and then sign up for our free daily newsletter to stay one step ahead of what's happening get out of the mainstream media rut with top news and positive headlines every day with ChristianHeadlines.com. 
Ads for beds stuffed into boxes are everywhere, thanks to online mattress companies. But when you order a mattress from the original mattress factory, it won't come shrink-wrapped and squeezed into a tiny box. It won't be dropped off on your porch by your mailman either. That's because our mattresses are hand-built right here in your hometown using American-made steel inner springs, cotton padding, and shock-absorbing box springs. You can't fit that kind of quality into a box. Purchase online at OriginalMattress.com or stop by one of our stores to see the Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. Word FM presents the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference, Thursday, May 2nd at 7.30 p.m. through Friday, May 3rd. Join Pastor John Guest and an expert panel of prayer warriors from RPTS, Geneva College, the Biblical Counseling Institute, Impact Christian Church, and more as we explore and grow in this vital gift and privilege to the church, featuring seven general and two breakout sessions. The Pittsburgh Prayer Conference. May 2nd and 3rd at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets and details at wordfm.com slash prayer. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Cloudy but mild for tonight, the low 52. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, breezy and mild with a couple of showers and even a thunderstorm around for the afternoon. High 65 will turn much colder tomorrow night with periods of rain in the evening, ending as some wet snowflakes later on, the low 32. Brisk and much colder Sunday with a few flurries, high 37 degrees. I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle on AM 1250, The Answer. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the Friday edition of The Ride Home. i got to be honest. What's that? When you start your day as as early as we started our day today, I realize there are people that just live different lives than we do. Oh, my goodness. I mean... And, of course, I'm talking about the uh, Greater Pittsburgh Community Leaders Prayer Breakfast, which was attended and run by the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation and our friend, President Lisa Slayton. And uh, she invited 999 of her closest friends. And so there were 1,000 people in the uh, convention center. John and I were honored once again to be the MCs for the morning. It was a great day. And Antoine Randall, main speaker. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Um, Jeffrey Myers from Tree of Life. Wonderful to see him there. It was so early. So early. You know, I'm driving in this morning on the parkway and thinking, people people do this every day. Good thing we don't have the morning show. People Poor Kenny this. Woods. Oh, my God. What's he doing? I don't know. Seriously. It's so early. I, it's hard to believe he's not grumpier by the time he leaves based on how early he has to get here. So early. It's I don't dark get it. and kind of cold and not good. Anyway, it was wonderful to see so many people out this morning. It was, oh, it was a wonderful fabulous. event. For those of you who we had a chance to talk to, it was Great for those that we didn't have a chance to talk to. Please feel free to contact yeah. us on social media. Our friend Fernando. So we can say hi, Fernando. Home run. Dave Carvalho, always, always a home run. How about the music? Um, oh, my goodness. Such yeah. beautiful music today. And Martindale Williams on cello. Dan Shields on guitar. Christopher Wu on violin. Oh, oh my, my God. God. I recorded it. My Did you? They were yeah. playing those hymns that were so just beautiful. incredible. Really Unbelievable. So yeah. thank you to everybody who to was everyone. there. And I don't want to be, you know, deleterious because I think it is way past time that I tell both of you. Tell me. Your weekend has begun. Oh, yes. Six minutes past the five o'clock hour on a cloudy and cool Friday afternoon. Feels good, though. It's Friday. You got plans? Wow. Who's that, Mike? Who are we celebrating with? 
Oh, it's a Coca-Cola song. Oh, this is an anniversary of Coca-Cola today? This, this day in history. Coca-Cola created by Dr. John Pemberton. Can we salute him, the three of us, oh, right now? Right now, I'm, I'm saluting him with a Coke. Can you believe that? That's very nice. Who doesn't love a Coke? Fascinating story about John Pemberton. I'm anxious to, to uh, share with you. Yeah. I went to the uh, Coke Museum in Atlanta. If you're ever in Atlanta, you have to go to the Coke Museum. Coca-Cola. At first, you're going to be like, ah, it's going to be stupid. No, it's cool. Listen, it's so much fun. It is just a, it is so much fun. Anyway, so here's a couple facts about Coca-Cola. Okay, good. You being a lover of the beverage, I you're going to just soak these up. Okay. 1886, as I said this day, was invented by a pharmacist by the name of John Pemberton. Mm-hmm. He fought in the Civil War. At the end of the war, he decided he wanted to invent something that would give him some cash. <laughs> he did okay? good. But he kept trying to invent remedies, things that you would sell at a pharmacy. Tonics. And nobody, nobody wanted anything, right? Mm. So he moved to Atlanta, and then he decided to try his hand at the beverage market because at that time in American history, soda fountains were just starting out and kind of catching on. And he oh, thought, yeah. wow, if I come up with some kind of beverage, that would be a lot easier of a sell than coming up with some sort of like you know remedy for something. And that's when Coca-Cola was born. Nice. However, he was terrible at marketing. The first year that Coca-Cola was out, it hardly sold anything, and then he died. Mm. So he didn't get mm. to see any of the success really? of Coca-Cola. But after his death, a man named Aza Griggs Candler rescued his business. In 1891, he became the sole owner of Coca-Cola, and he was the marketer, right? So he started hiring traveling salesmen to pass out Coke coupons when they were on the road. Hmm. They would say, hey, you want something good to drink? You should try this. And of course, no one, no one had ever heard of what that was. So they were like, well, you know. Anyway, so that started getting the word about Coke outside of the city of Atlanta and getting it. and getting, On the road. Right, getting it on the road around the country. Um, he also spread the word by plastering logos, the Coke logo, which, of course, is so iconic, right? That logo? The yeah, Coca-Cola the Coca- script. The script, right? On the red. Well, it, was, it, it didn't start out as the script, but it evolved into the script. If you see some of the early ones, you'll see that there's – there's the feeling of it. You I know see. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it's the still pretty it's it. still pretty consistent with what it was. Anyway, he plastered it on calendars, posters, notebooks, and bookmarks and just tried to like saturate the market oh, with that. Cool. Right. And he just gave all that stuff away for free. But here's my favorite part. He decided to go back to what John Pemberton didn't want to do, and he decided to market it as you ready? Ideal brain tonic for headache and exhaustion. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's well, what it was called. Now, is it true that uh, there was always the rumor that it was there was cocaine in the Coca Cola? I read nothing about it oh, about really? cocaine. There was a lot of consternation at the time that Coca Cola syrup was medicine. I see. Right. Congress, in fact, passed a tax on medicines, so Coca Cola was then only able to be labeled as a beverage and not as a tonic anymore. But there was a good 10 years in there where it was labeled, and I think you think of it this way personally. As a tonic. The ideal brain tonic for headache and exhaustion. Mm, I don't know. I just know like around 2 o'clock or so I go, man, I need a Coke Mm -hmm. for better or worse. I know how you are. I know you are. Now I'm pulling up one of these originals. Okay, so this is from 1900, and I'll post it online because it's a really cool image. Mm -hmm. But um, it's very Victorian in its like artistic rendering. Oh, look. Mm-hmm. Okay. The ideal brain tonic. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. That, Isn't it? That image. Oh, it's yeah. incredible. It's the ideal brain tonic for headache and yeah, exhaustion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Because Coca-Cola is delicious. Don't you think? Yeah. Mike, do you drink a lot of Coke? I have a Coke once a day. 
Mm-hmm. Do you really? I do. Yeah. Is it a Coke or are you just saying that as far as a general term no, that covers no. soft drinks? He has a Coke. I have a Coke once a day. Can I, yesterday, Mike came in and had a Coke with a full glass of ice. Oh, it's the only way to have it. Well, he never does that. He always has it just straight out of the bottle. No, you're missing out. And you said what, Mike? Oh, it changed. It was revolutionary. Isn't it better? Life. It's so much better. It's so much better. No you comparison. have to have it in a glass, you know. Yeah, it has, to be in, it has to be in a glass. Yeah. You have to fill the glass with ice, mm-hmm. and then you have to, to pour the, the Coke in. And so every bite, n- bite swallow, yes, yeah. every- swallow you take, it's extremely cold. Oh, it has yes. that little so, fizz in it. Mm. It's so perfect. Surely it is. See, I don't need to drink alcohol no, no. because I love Coke that much. When we were growing up, we had a, a – this sounds like I you know, grew up in 1912. But our local pharmacy had a phosphate. You know, mm, yeah, yeah. And the guy would make you in a cup – your own cherry Coke mix. Oh, yeah. He would squirt the Coke syrup mm. and then a little Coke, and then a little orange syrup and then the phosphate and then stir it up, place it down in front of you. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Fabulous. now let me tell you this. And this might be an unpopular opinion with the two of you based on how committed you are to the original Coca Cola. Yeah. To me, vanilla Coke is a superior product. It yeah. is. Uh, I, Do you I think it is too? I think it is. No, I don't say it's superior, but I, I do love a vanilla Coke. How about the new orange Coke? I'm not interested. I, I've had it, several. Have you? I like it a lot. Is it orange or orange vanilla Coke? Uh, there's both. Oh, there's both? Yeah. I don't know that. If you go, see, when you go to the movie theaters now, which you don't go to, right. they just hand you a cup. And then you go to the Coke machine and you press the Coke logo. Literally, there are 12 or 13 different permeations of just, they have lime Coke, the vanilla Cokes, the vanilla cherry Coke, the vanilla orange Coke. I mean, it just runs the gamut. I wasn't a what Coke, a country. I wasn't a Coke drinker until I got this job. Mm-hmm. What? We've because corrupted of, you. It's because of you, John. No, really. Way. I was one hundred percent. I I didn't like Coke. I'm serious. I did not like Coke. I, I was a Pepsi drinker oh. all my life, and now I can't even have Pepsi. No. Aren't you happy? I don't now? like Pepsi now anymore. Is, it's so much better. Coke is so You've much better. You've converted me. Thank you. Good and, job, John. Well, no, it'd be like a lifelong of you know. Affliction. Diabetes and, <laughs> right, and right. weight gain. Yeah, exactly. When you start on insulin, <laughs> would you send him a card? <laughs> I appreciate that. This is because Mike. of you. Thank you. Anyway, How's happy happy birthday to Coca-Cola. <laughs> I'm nice. go- you're celebrating right now by having one. I am. I'm having one. And plus there's ice in it. I'm going to celebrate tonight by having a vanilla Coke. Excellent. Nice. And I'll have it with my pizza because that is the ideal taste treat. You got that right. Okay, take a break. Come back. We are going to go to uh, Grove City College. We're going to talk about the uh, investigation into the Mueller probe, all that from a person who's been in D.C. for a long time. Paul McNulty from Grove City College. That's next. WORD. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Graham. The Church of Jesus Christ should be a place full of people, warm, effervescent, pulsating with spiritual life, a community of believers. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Graham. PowerPoint, tonight at 9.30 on 101.5 WORD. Hello, this is David Jeremiah. Join me on the Overcomer Tour for a time of enriching Bible teaching, practical lessons, uplifting fellowship, and powerful worship. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for a free live event in Hershey. The Overcomer Tour is coming to the Giant Center Thursday, April 11th at 7 p.m. 
Request your free tickets to this one-night-only event in Hershey at davidjeremiah.org slash tour. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. We'll start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10 right here on 101.5 Word FM. As parents, you're dedicated to seeing your kids live out God's call for their lives, to enter adulthood with discernment, integrity, biblical values, and the ability to thrive in work that's meaningful, to not only make wise and faithful decisions, but defend them as well. At Cornerstone Prep in West Mifflin, pre-K through 12th grade students thrive in an environment that fosters biblical discipleship and authentic education. Cornerstone Prep, ready for life at cornerstoneprep.net. Hey, before you know it, uh, Easter is going to be here. And if you're going to have Easter dinner at your house, would we suggest the Spring House is part of that? Hey, Marsh, how are you doing today? Happy Easter. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? First off, we're celebrating the fact that it's the birthday of Coca-Cola. And I'm bringing that up, Marsha, because Bernie Lee, who was the longtime receptionist here at Word FM, came up with what could be one of the most delicious beverages in history, Mm. which is... Half of a glass of Springhouse chocolate milk, ice, and the rest filled up with Coca-Cola. Pretty good. You're kidding. No, she came up with it. And let me tell you, it is decadent. It is. Really? (sighs) Because the first thing you want to add to some Springhouse chocolate milk is some more sugar. Yeah. (laughs) That's really, that's the path you should take. Well, I think you need to feature that, Marsh. (laughs) I think so. I love that idea. You can call it the Bernie. Yep. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, so look, uh, Easter's not that far away. Uh, what are you featuring? Uh, are there spring house hams available for uh, Easter? Yes, yes. And we are, um, we're not even smoking yet. We're going to smoke, we're going to start smoking on the 11th. So we're going to be cutting just a little bit close because it takes about 12 to 15 hours to smoke a batch of hams. But we wanted to make sure that they were, you know, we'd be smoking around the clock and they'll be fresh, fresh for Easter. I was just talking to Mike when. Um, before I talked to you guys, and he was saying that his mom already called him and said, I have to have a Springhouse ham for Easter. I can't have any other kind now. Oh, my God. See, <laughs> because that's what happens. seriously, once you try it, <laughs> Nothing else. You're, you might as well just stop looking no, exactly. at any other place. I, 100%. I agree. There's no comparison. <laughs> you guys are good. It's true. It's, it's the true. Truth. It's true. Yeah, We're not yeah. making it up. Okay, Marsha, if people are interested in a Springhouse ham, what's the procedure they go through? So they could actually get online and look at our whole Easter sheet is on there. It talks about, like, all the things that we'll be featuring for Easter, you know, coconut cream pies and Mm. nut rolls and ambrosia salad, deviled eggs, all that good stuff that nobody has any time to make nowadays. And then they can just call us up and say, I'm ready to place my Easter order, and they can buy their smoked ham. And we can either sell it, like, right out of the smokehouse. Or we can actually bake it for folks if they would like us to. We can pull it off the bone. You know, lots of different options. Very nice. Okay, listen, don't delay. Get online, springhousemarket.com. Order yourself a Springhouse ham and all the fixings just in time for Easter. That's the Springhouse. Let's get to work with E-Verify, the modernized employment eligibility verification partner that can maximize your potential. They're helping employers throughout the hiring process so they can focus on other business. Get started at everifygovernor slash go. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs like hauling landscape supplies. 
Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, WeatherTech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for coming along today. Uh, we're going to go to Grove City College here in just a little bit and uh, talk to Paul McNulty. He's the uh, the president of Grove City. He spent a, a considerable amount of time in uh, Washington, D.C. and uh, finally, most- finally finishing up as the uh, deputy attorney general of the United States. Yeah. And so when you hear Rod Rosenstein's name, that's the job that Paul McNulty had for a long time. And so when we were thinking about the uh, Mueller investigation and the fact that it's 300 pages long. The 300 pages, I guess, just as of, what, a few hours ago, they've decided it's going to be released? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It'll be released in mid-April. Okay, it's going to be re- – up to this point, um, what, two pages or three pages was released Four by the, pages. by Attorney General Barr. Right. Um, and for people who have believed from the beginning that Trump was guilty, that there was something wrong with the fact that he won the election to start with – they had to find some sort of justification for the fact that something that egregious could have happened. This is right, my perspective. Right. This is my perspective on this. So Trump haters had to glom onto this and say, okay, well, there has to be some kind of collusion. And I got to be honest with you, I was very interested to find out if there was collusion too. I mean, we should all be interested in finding out what is in, the, what is. was in the Mueller report because we all have a stake in this. I mean, Russia clearly trying to find an inroad into our elections in the United States. That right, is right. that is of vital importance. Um, however, now the report comes out. And Mueller says, you know, he has all these statistics that he that that are listed there as far as how many man hours and how many investigations were carried out and how many um, people were indicted and the charges that were leveled and blah, blah, blah. A- after all of that, we find out that there was no collusion there. So it wasn't that the Trump campaign, even though they had a lot of close ties to people in Russia, there was no collusion in trying to fix the election. Now, people who have supported Trump all this time are saying, no kidding. And why did we waste $22 million trying to get to this point? But this is where we are in America. That that I mean, I just can't think of a more polarizing figure in my entire life. Than Donald Trump. So for people who support him, they look at the issue and they say, look, we knew from the very beginning that this was just a witch hunt. This, these are these are people in the Democratic Party, people in the American left who have never been able to accept the results of the 2016 election. And they've been coming from never. the very beginning to find a reason or been looking from the very beginning to find a reason to say that the election was fixed, that there's no possible way that America could have ever put this type of man in the position of president. Now, I have always thought since that night, since that election night, when that when the, the most unbelievable thing happened and against all odds, Trump beat Hillary Clinton, I thought to myself, we have to, all of us, hear this message 
that things are not as the polls tell us, that people are not honest with the media, that there was a whole underbelly of America that was just absolutely never going to vote for Hillary Clinton, but was never going to tell anybody about it because they didn't want to say that means that I'm signing on for Donald Trump. Look, there's something that is profoundly wrong when we're just not able to say, I like him, I like her. But but anyway, this is what it is. And people who have supported Trump have felt as if it was they were judged as immoral. They were judged as unethical. Um, they were looked at as somehow less educated or less aware or less woke or whatever it is for supporting Donald Trump. All I'm saying, and I didn't vote for Trump or Hillary, so I had no dog in this fight. From my perspective, this was a message that we all needed to hear. That 2016 election, we needed to sit down and reckon with that and say, okay, how did we get here? How did a real estate mogul who had a TV show end up as president? And what does it mean that the majority of Americans, according to the Electoral College, not according to the popular vote, but according to the Electoral College, decided on him over Hillary Clinton? What does that tell us? Now, fast forward to the Mueller investigation. I feel like it's the same type of reckoning. What does this tell us? If we were on either side, either pro-Trump or anti-Trump, if our lives are either in absolute exaltation now that Trump has been cleared or in abject despair because we can't possibly accept the fact that he wasn't involved in this and there has to be something and we have to look deeper and we have to see every word of the report and blah, 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 then what does that tell us about us? It tells us a lot, doesn't it? I think it tells us exactly where we are in this moment in American politics. Paul J. McNulty is with us. Paul McNulty is the ninth ninth president of Grove City College. Prior to returning to his alma mater, Paul McNulty spent over 30 years in Washington, D.C. as an attorney in public service and in private practice. In 2005, the United States Senate unanimously confirmed Paul McNulty to the position of Deputy Attorney General, the second in command at the United States Department of Justice and the Chief Operating Officer of the department's 10,000 employees. Paul, welcome back to the show. How are you today? Hey, thanks, John. Nice to talk to both of you. Mm -hmm. So, Paul, uh, you and I and John have talked several times about how intense the environment is when you're working on a special counsel investigation. Um, We've talked several times here on the air about how you've mentioned your respect for uh, Robert Mueller and the fact that you believe that he was a good man who was going to do a good job in a a difficult position. Um, So let's first talk about how you see the investigation now that it's over. Have the American people appreciated the job that he's done? Do you feel as if in reflecting on it, he has done the job you expected him to do? Yeah, I think the American people are pretty pleased with uh, Bob Malta's performance. Um, you know, facts are what they are, and uh, no matter how much political spin is out there, uh, reality, thankfully, has a way of breaking through. And so the thoroughness of the investigation is unquestionable. Mm-hmm. It's been time. The extent of the investigation um, was um, described by Bill Barr in his summary, and we'll learn more about it once the report is actually available. So... Um, I think the the combination of his character, the way he's conducted himself, obviously not grandstanding or putting himself forward, and the um, extent and thoroughness of the investigation gives it um, great credibility 
and uh, there will always be naysayers, but I think that, uh, by and large, the American people appreciate that. Yes. So, Paul, what is the delay? Why would there not be full disclosure? Can you talk to us about the machinations of government that uh, William Barr is able to give a four-page summary, and then now we hear today that maybe in a couple of weeks the full report will be released? Sure. Well, you know, there are a lot of different ways to gather evidence, and one of the most effective ways to gather evidence is using a grand jury. And people come before a grand jury and testify, and a record is taken of that testimony, and uh, prosecutors present information to the grand jury, and the grand jury, like a jury we see in a trial, sits and uh, uh, accumulates um, a record of evidence. All of that information that is submitted to a grand jury is secret. It's secret according to the federal rules of criminal evidence, and there's a federal criminal statute that actually applies to the disclosure improperly of that information provided. So when Bob, um, when Bill um, Barr got the report from Bob Mueller, he received a report that contained a lot of information that was gathered through the grand jury, and it just can't be automatically turned over mm. to the public. There has to be a way of um, protecting that grand jury information. And that's really what the Department of Justice is doing right now. They're trying to go through it and figure out what um, what can be um, provided and what has to be protected according to the, the rule of law, which is what everybody claims to be concerned about. I see. And that's the attorney general's job? Well, it's the Department of Justice's job. So Bill Barr is overseeing um, that process that's being done probably through the criminal division where the expertise would be located for handling uh, any kind of criminal matter. And um, and Rod Rosenstein is still at the department, uh, so he would be uh, more um, probably personally involved in the review of that report. But Bill Barr, who I work with and um, know very well, um, is a very hands-on, conscientious leader, and so I'm sure he's uh, making sure that the work is getting done as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Paul, you were involved in the uh, Ken Starr investigation, the special counsel's uh, report that was produced uh, when Bill Clinton was president. Um, was that entire report released, or was it just the uh, uh, summation, as in this? That's a great question, Kathy, and there's a distinction there that most people would not even begin to understand, and that is that Ken Starr uh, prepared his report for release. So even though he had a grand jury that he used in the Clinton investigation, he prepared a report that was for Capitol Hill. Mm. He was a, an independent counsel. Bob Mueller is a special counsel. And the oh. distinction is that um, Starr was set up under a law that has now expired. And that law provided for um, the appointment of an independent counsel who did not report to the attorney general, who was really independent and um, could make a charging decision on his own. And in the case of a presidential investigation, send information to Capitol Hill that might be the basis for um, you know, impeachment proceedings. Whereas uh, Bob Mueller has been a special counsel, really kind of a, a special employee of the Department of Justice. The independent counsel law expired. Mm-hmm. And so um, his report is more of an internal report provided to the department summarizing the work that he's done. I see. So, Paul, can you talk to us about the the huge machinery 
that Robert Mueller uh, was in charge of. I mean, I, I read somewhere there were 500 uh, witnesses that were interviewed, thousands of subpoenas. I mean, it went on for two plus years. This is a, a major source of investigation. How does one go about that? And all the people that are involved in, t- you know, tasking the forensic people who were looking at the, the money changing hands and all that. I mean, it, it's fascinating to think about that, the legs and the, the whole work of all that. Right. And, and, and he had, Mueller had all the resources he wanted. And, and basically, because of the particularly sensitive political nature of this, uh, they weren't going to tell him that he couldn't have what he needed. And um, he, he took full advantage of that. Having been a former FBI director, he knew the capability of the FBI. So he had a lot of FBI agents that were detailed to his team. He had a large number of prosecutors who were also taken from various parts of the Department of Justice and sent to work with him. So that um, large team of individuals, investigators and prosecutors, uh, they can accomplish a lot in terms of getting uh, subpoenas out and getting witnesses interviewed and bring them into the grand jury and so forth. And of course, he had these prosecutions that were going on along the way and witnesses were de- being debriefed and providing cooperation. Um, so um, anything he thought he needed, he took full advantage mm-hmm. of. And that's the way he operates. He's he's a, uh, a one of the most experienced prosecutors in the country. So he, he knows what it takes to do something thoroughly, and, uh, you know, he goes at it sort of wholeheartedly. Paul, what's it like to wade in to an investigation like that that is so fraught with political angst? I I mean, before you came on, when we were establishing your connection on the air, I was talking about the fact that those who were against the president from the very start and were having a hard time, I think, coming to grips with the results of the 2016 election looked at this as the final comeuppance. This was going to be... um, the information that they knew was there all along, that he was dirty. He was dirty from the start. There was collusion with Russia. This was going to be the way to get him out. They were finally going to kind of exorcise um, the results of what happened in 2016. Um, so, And then the other, of course, half of the country is saying, you know, this is, was a waste of $22 million because we knew all along that this was just a witch hunt. I mean, how do you, as a fair-minded prosecutor, just try to just go after the facts? Do you just have to block all that out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I hope that the American people have some sense of how um, that really does work, because there is a culture, uh, there is an, uh, sort of an ethic within the Department of Justice that you understand, and I worked there for 10 years, and you just understand it from the day you start, that things are done a certain way. And even though we hear about these incidents that are you know difficult sometimes to understand how they could occur, and so it's not perfect. By and large, people know that the job is to uh, focus on what the facts are and to kind of really try to block out all of that mm. political noise. And for the most part, that that can be done. Now, you know, this is a unique investigation, and it's really hard to ignore it. But um, you'd be surprised at how well that can be done by folks who um, understand their calling to uh, figure out exactly what occurred and then apply the law to it. In fact, the problem often is that they get so focused on what they're doing that they end up um, you know, losing perspective of kind of the big picture and we spending too much money on mm-hmm. something, going too hard. And when I was U.S. attorney in Virginia, one of the 
jobs of a U.S. attorney is to be able to see that and at some point to say to the team, okay, folks, do we have the right judgment here? Is this proportional in terms of the significance of the wrongdoing? Let's let's make sure that we haven't lost perspective in terms of... Uh, right, and that's got to be a hard call to make. I mean, going back to the to uh, Kenneth Starr and the independent counsel investigation that you had a part in, you know, it wasn't until the anniversary came up and I read Ken Starr's um, op-ed in the Wall Street Journal that I even understand how Monica Lewinsky even ended up in all of that. You know, from the beginning, I kind of thought, oh, that's like overreach. Why did we even have to find that out? But then reading his detail of how that happened, it really did make more sense. Oh, yeah, that's such a hard thing to do. I mean, on the one hand, you feel like you've got to play this out because it's the rule of law again. If you see someone who has lied in a grand jury or in a deposition, that's wrong. The law prohibits that, and therefore we've got to deal with it. And yet at the same time, you have this larger context where people are saying, oh, let it go. It's just, you know, you're obsessed. And um, and, and you really feel sometimes that there's no real right answer that you're going to be attacked no matter what you do. So that's a judgment call? That's where the courage comes in to say, okay, my convictions are this and my conscience is clear. I'm going to go ahead and make this judgment. But uh, it it definitely feels like you're under a lot of pressure when you're doing it. From Grove City College, we're talking with President Paul J. McNulty. So, Paul, where do we go from here? Um, The president, uh, obviously, uh, and his team, they're very happy. They're saying complete exoneration. Of course, across the aisle, they're saying, well, well, hold on. Let's not be so fast here. There are many other tendrils to go, especially when the full report's released. What's your call? I think what's going to happen is that the report eventually will come out in some way or another or a lot of information in it. I think that the Democrats will jump on that and nitpick it to death. I think they'll want to second-guess every page of that report. I think the media will assist them in doing that. Uh, I think the American people, by and large, will feel like that's Monday morning quarterbacking and they'll have moved on. And I have to say, and I don't mean to sound overly political, but I think that it's going to be a big misjudgment on the part of the Democrats to to do that. I think they're going to um, overplay the um, oversight card uh, because this, uh, you know, sort of uh, anger towards the president is so um, deep and pervasive Mm -hmm. that they they won't be able to control themselves. And um, I saw that firsthand when I worked on the – you know, the Clinton report. At some point, the American people felt that we, the Republicans in the House, were taking it too far. And um, and we had some, you know, bipartisan support. We had a chairman, Henry Hyde, who was very fair-minded. And still, you could feel the American people feeling like this, they wanted to move on. Hmm. And I think that um, we're going to see that um, replay in sort of a, uh, its own new way, but but a similar script. Last question for you, Paul, before you leave us. What happens to Robert Mueller now? Does he just descend into obscurity? Does he go off and, you know, go to Tahiti or what does he do? (laughs) Well, he's a he's a tough guy. He 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 just keeps going on and on. And uh, I'm sure he's ready for a a nice break. Uh, He's got a wonderful wife and and, uh, they're going to retreat a bit. He doesn't like private practice. I know that just from being a friend of his, that he likes public service. And uh, at some point, after 12 years as an FBI director and now (laughs) doing this, uh, he deserves a long vacation. And I think uh, he'll try to um, keep himself out of the limelight. The thing about Bob Mueller people need to appreciate is it's really never about him. 
he really does have a kind of sense of responsibility and duty. And uh, nobody's perfect about that, but uh, by and large, um, he, he, he doesn't um, um, want it to, to be sort of um, on him in a way that, 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 that you know, he puts himself forward. And so I think um, he's quite comfortable looking for, um, you know, a quieter place to be right now. Yeah. And, and Paul, just one more thing. So what's that like? Is Bob Mueller sort of in the shadows and apparently a very humble guy? People must be wanting to throw boatloads of money at him so he could write a book. Yeah, that'll be an interesting question, John. Um, that's not really his style. I mean, he's, um, again, kind of shunned that. And uh, you're right, he'd have a lot to say. And he'll be out there giving some speeches and so forth. But um, um, And money's not his thing either. Um, that's not what he's pursued in his career. He could have always done that, yeah. but he turned to public service every time he's in a position to make money. So... Um, um, I have to say, I'd be a little surprised if he decides to write Cash a book. It in. I mean, it, it, people, <laughs> that was just not what I would sort of expect him to do. People like Robert Mueller, they, they give you confidence that the government is still going to do the right thing. They should. They really should. I mean, it's again, everybody's human, and this is all um, uh, difficult work. Uh, but um, uh, there are people like Bob who understand what their duties are, and they try to fulfill them as best they can. And I really believe that's what he's done in this situation. Well, thank you. Paul McNulty, ninth president of Grove City College and former U.S. Deputy Attorney General. When you give to food for the poor, you save lives. When you give to food for the poor, you bring miracles. When you pray for your children, what do you pray for them? She prays that God help her to give them at least one more day of food. So it's a daily prayer. I pray every day to have God in my heart, and I pray that my daughters are able to go to school. Would you let God bring a miracle through you? Food for a year, water for life, to save a child who's been praying for a miracle. Your $80 one-time gift makes that miracle happen right now. Food for a year and water for life by dialing pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword hope. Or give online at wordfm.com. Now, on a brand new night, it's Word FM Skate Night at Neville Rollerdrome. The first Wednesday of the month, join Kenny Woods and a live Word FM audience and skate to your favorite CCM hits with prizes and giveaways 6.30 to 9 p.m. You could win a free skate night for your family or youth group. Admission $7. Skate rental just three more. Pastors and youth pastors skate free. Word FM Skate Night at Neville Rollerdrome continues Wednesday, April 3rd. Groups over 30 must register in advance. Email info at skatenrd.com. Hey, Pittsburgh, this is Tunch Ilkin for my good friends at Calusi Chevrolet. Now during truck month, current GM lessees can save $11,490 off the MSRP on select 2018 Silverado pickups or take advantage of 0% APR financing for up to 72 months. Must qualify. You can buy with confidence knowing that the team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years. Check them out at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. Texting has changed everything in relationship with our kids. Um, 
my parents rarely called me after I left home. That's just how it was. But my kid, he's up at Grove City College where he's a junior. More often than not, he'll text me at least once a day. Hey, just thinking about you or, you know, just touching base. But I hadn't heard from him for a few days, so I texted him over the weekend. I said, hey, what's going on, man? And he texted back. He said, I'll call you back in a little bit. I'm in a study group right now with six other guys. And so when he called back, I asked about that. I said, what's this study group like? And the cool thing about it was it was a study group for something that was invested in theology. And I love this idea that there's a bunch of guys sitting around a table, the way he described it, in a private room, and they're talking about theology. I mean, holy smokes. Talk about iron sharpening iron. Now, look, I, don't, I know this. My kid's at Grove City College. Like I said, he's a, genu- a junior. He's getting himself a great education. Plus, the backbone of it all is the life and death of Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe. That's the center of Grove City College. It's the center of my boy's life, the center of our family's life, the center of the future. I love Grove City College. If you're thinking about sending your child to a college next year or somewhere in the future, do yourself a big favor. Check out Grove City College. You'll love what you're going to find. GCC.edu. That's Grove City College. Falling under the category of things that might make your head explode. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, it's Friday afternoon. I know. I have to tell you. Uh, John, on March 21st, the San Antonio City Council passed a motion to approve the uh, company that oversees the concessions at the San Antonio airport. Okay, so one yeah. company basically contracts with all the different concessions, right? Airmark or right. something like yeah, that. Yeah, something right? like that. But the San Antonio City Council only passed the motion on the condition that Chick-fil-A be excluded Ugh. from the agreement. The city council mm-hmm. of what? What mm-hmm. city? San Antonio. Okay. Ugh. Now wait, the prohibition came after a report noted that in 2017, Chick-fil-A donated Nearly $2 million to, are you ready? The Salvation Army, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and the Paul Anderson Youth Home. So can you believe they had the temerity? There's hate there? Can you believe they had the nerve? That's a hate-filled organization. To donate $2 million to the Salvation Army, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Okay. The report asserted that these three charities were discriminatory. Against LGBTQ individuals. The Salvation Army is? Uh Uh-huh. City Councilman Roberto Trevino, who made the motion against Chick-fil-A, claimed that the ban reaffirmed that San Antonio is a champion of equality and inclusion, except apparently for Chick-fil-A. So we will be tolerant of all people except for the people that we don't like, which is actually intolerance. Now, the latest news on this story is that the Attorney General of the state, Ken Paxton, just announced this afternoon that he will be launching an investigation into the San Antonio City Council. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Why? Just to be inclusive? No, no, no. He's saying... That he thinks that perhaps they violated state law, what? religious freedom. Really? He said targeting individuals, organizations, or corporations based on deeply held religious beliefs um, is not consistent with how Texas looks at being a champion of equality and conclusion. Good. Can't people just do the right thing? Yes. Can't you just do that? He said, we are investigating rampant 
discriminatory action against a well-regarded business with such a significant presence in our communities in Central Texas and across the nation? Good. Have we lost our sense? Yes. Now, look, how many how many college campuses Good has question. Chick-fil-A been uninvited to? I know. And believe it's me. Right here. I remember when the, when the Duquesne movement right. was in. Then they, the, the person who was leading the charge against Chick-fil-A at Duquesne said that they were leading the charge because of Chick-fil-A's, quote, questionable history on human rights. Questionable history. Is on that... human rights. So wait, wait a human... This is ridiculous. Why, if you don't like Chick-fil-A, don't go there. What is the big deal? You don't like who they – you don't like the Salvation Army and they give money. Don't go there. It's like a trigger warning. Why do you have to ban them from our economy? Right. Just don't go. So Chick-fil-A's questionable what? Questionable history on human rights. It's like Pol Pot showing up on college they, campuses. They lost the gig because they ended up at Duquesne anyway. Oh, did they? Did. Yeah, they got the last laugh. Only, I mean, it's just, and I mean last laugh. I don't mean to be flippant about no, saying no, that. I, I don't mean think that. They are. And, I, and they're not either. I just, it's, I'm laughing because of the absurdity of how sensitive we all are. If you don't like a company, don't go there. But just because they don't subscribe to your worldview doesn't mean that you get to eliminate them from society. And again, Chick fil A is not, you know, uh, anti LGBTQ, they are pro family. Okay, so take it out as you want. Right. That's all. I don't think they're out there stomping on you know gay flags or anything like that. That's crazy. They've never. But listen, Chick Fil A doesn't need us to defend them. No, of course. They can not. do a fine job defending themselves because they make I, an excellent product. Plus, I ate there yesterday, and the market salad with apple cider vinaigrette, delicious. Really, I haven't had one of those. Mm. I'm going to go Chick Fil A tonight. Market salad. You should look into it. All right. I think Get a large right. fry on the side. My pleasure. W-O-R-D. With more fun for your family. Always fun. It's Word FM Family Skate Night at Neville Roller Drone. It's really fun. We're taking over the roller rink and bringing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music along for you to skate to. My whole family loves it. My kids love it. Isn't it great? We'll have great prize giveaways, too. Bring your roller skates if you've got them or rent a pair there. It's fun for your church group, youth organization, or your whole family. Spending time with family. That's my favorite thing to do. Word FM Skate Night at Neville Roller Drone, Neville Island, this Wednesday from 6.30 till 9. Let's go have fun. Get details and directions at wordfm.com slash skate. The tradition. The suspense. The race. The Kentucky Derby is the pinnacle of horse racing. Rocket Mortgage is giving away 20 VIP trips to witness the Kentucky Derby in person. And one lucky winner will receive $250,000. Use it to purchase your dream home or pay off your mortgage. Enter today at homestretchsweepstakes.com. Oh, come the fashion, the mint juleps, the parties. This is your opportunity to experience it all firsthand thanks to the Rocket Mortgage Homestretch Sweepstakes. Enter for your chance to win $250,000 and one of 20 VIP trips to the Kentucky Derby. The Rocket Mortgage Homestretch Sweepstakes. Enter today at homestretchsweepstakes.com. No purchase necessary. 21 years or older. Ends on April 7, 2019. Homestretchsweepstakes.com. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Hi, I'm Mike Ditchin. On the field, they called me Iron Mike. But some days, even Iron Mike can feel a little rusty. So I turned to Blue Emu. Blue Emu's non-greasy, deep-penetrating formula gets down deep for big-time comfort. And more importantly, it doesn't leave me smelling like a locker room. Now, if you excuse me, 
I have some yelling to do. You hit like old men. Blue Emu. It works fast and you won't stink. On April 5th, don't miss The Best of Enemies, starring Academy Award nominee Taraji P. Henson. I play Ann Atwater, a civil rights activist who was able to approach hate with love. And Academy Award winner Sam Rockwell. All the better if you don't get in my way. Well, I'm going to get in your way. If you change one heart, you can change the world. I have a Bible. And then you ought to know, same God made you, made me. The Best of Enemies, based on the untold true story. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters April 5th. My neighbors always ask me, hey, Pete, how do you keep your yard so nice? Pete makes it simple with a Scott's Turf Builder feeding program. It's the best way to get a greener, stronger lawn, guaranteed. All it takes is four easy feedings, just once in early spring, late spring, summer, and fall, providing your lawn the nutrition and weed control it needs to stay lush and green. So, now you know my secret. This is a Scott's Yard. Pick up a Scott's Turf Builder program today. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. I feel like we've just spent a, a better part of uh, the show sort of maligning Ivy League institutions. <laughs> I think, you know, Sorry. as a person who's a graduate of a uh, public university, yeah. it felt slightly good to me. Well, despite all that, we're moving on because I, I saw something today at Vox. I'm sorry, Business Insider. Uh, the headline was, I'm taking Yale's class on happiness. And halfway through, these are four tricks that are already working for me. No, so the most right. popular class that Yale teaches is called the Science of Well-Being. It's a 10-week class. One in four students on the campus at Yale has taken this class hmm. already. You can take it either in person or online. Um, the teacher, uh, Professor Lori Santos, he's collected all the psychological science and come up with a step-by-step process for boosting your own happiness. So the author of this uh, article, Justin Merriman, took this class. He said, here are four exercises I picked up from a slew of new tips and tricks that have really helped me already in my quest for happiness. I'll just... Uh, I want to hear it. Okay. First one, focus on your strengths. All right. The first homework was all about identifying your signature strengths and refocusing them each day. I took a VIA survey, uh, which revealed my 24 greatest strengths. And so the top four was, uh, for this guy, was love of learning, appreciation of beauty and excellence, leadership and fairness. So he took those and he's been focusing on those four core strengths. Then he invests in experiences, mm-hmm. which is yeah. Excellent advice. It is. Right? Instead of buying stuff on Amazon, you want to go out and do things. That'll make you happier. Also, learn to savor more. Savoring is the act of stepping outside of an experience to review and appreciate mm. a way of helping you stay in the present moment. Yeah. Express gratitude and spread kindness. Right? And that makes sense. You're a believer. You're expressing expressing gratitude to God often. Right? So, yeah. Express gratitude 
Also, the last one, uh, the road to happiness, to do things that you probably already know from are proven to boost your well-being, such as exercising daily, getting as much sleep as possible. Mm-hmm. All right. Isn't it sad, though, to see the path, with hap- path, the path to happiness having nothing to do with a personal God who made you no. and wants to know you? No faith. No faith in that at all. I mean, I don't see any happiness outside of that. No. That's the cornerstone of it all. When weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with J&D Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at J&D Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time. J&D Waterproofing, 1-800-VERY-DRY. So the only thing really keeping you from enrolling your children in Christian school is sports? Trinity Christian School answers that concern with boys soccer, girls volleyball, and track for boys and girls. A well-rounded Christian education with the sports opportunities you want? Now that sounds really good. Trinity Christian School, ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County at trinitychristian.net. The T.J. Martell Foundation, music's promise for a cure. To learn more, visit tjmartell.org. That's tjmartell.org. So that Johnny, sounds, I was going to say, that sounds like Mr. Rogers. Is that Johnny, Johnny Costa? Costa? sure is. Get out of here. You better believe we, it. Right away knew that. Yeah, I did. It's really easy. Wow. Well, happy uh, World Piano Day. Yeah, thanks an awful lot. I don't play the piano, but I sure wish I did. Yeah. Mike, do you play? I I played from when I was four, and I quit when I was seven. Oh, okay. It's a short window. I really wish I never quit. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Everybody says that who's an adult who didn't keep on studying. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm the daughter of a piano teacher, so I had no oh, option. Oh, my goodness gracious. I had no option. Nanny. So I had Yep. Nan was a piano teacher, a church organist, yeah. um, and so she taught me for all the years that I was at home. Um, I, when I saw um, when I was a kid, I saw a movie about pianos that was a nightmare that I thought about forever and ever and ever. Did you ever see the Five Thousand Fingers of Doctor T? <laughs> no, but it sounds upsetting. It's all about pianos and piano lessons. It's an incredibly crazy film. Highly recommended. I saw it recently on Turner Classic. Is it black and white? No, it's in color. Okay. It's a great. It's a. It's a bit of a nightmare. Well, listen to this. Piano Day officially happens on the 88th day of the year. Hey! Because there are 88 keys in the keyboard. Look at that. I mean, Ebony isn't that cool? and I yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so piano sales have been declining for generations. I'm that sure. shouldn't be news I can give anybody. away a piano. I know. So you had to, you were getting a better piano. Right. And so you were trying to get rid of your other piano. Right. And there was no, there there was no, no taker. Yeah, years ago, uh, we bought our first house. My wife said, I'd love to have my own piano. So I answered an ad, you know, and I, I went to this guy's basement. And literally, no exaggeration, this guy in his basement must have had 30 pianos. Oh, my God. He said, take your pick, 100 bucks." So at the time, we had a small house. I bought this beautiful little tiny piano. It was fabulous. That was in our house for a long time. We moved it to our new house. Then my mother-in-law died. She had a wonderful piano. So I tried to give away this little piano. Nobody wanted it. Yeah, I'm telling you, people just don't have pianos in no. their homes like they used to. Broke my heart. I took that right? piano apart with a screwdriver. 
one piece at a time. Is that uh, Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney? No, Stevie Wonder, Stevie Wonder Paul McCartney. and Paul McCartney. Michael right. Jackson, so, Paul McCartney. No, that was the, that song. was another one. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, happy piano day. If you're a piano player, you should play today. Oh yeah. I'm going to go home and play. Oh good, please do. Yeah. yeah. I will. And Justin Brown, uh, uh, Justin Brown, who's piano, piano player, player extraordinaire. Terrific. You ever go to a piano bar? Oh yeah, I used to go to the Gandhi Dancer a lot when I was oh, in college. Oh, I remember the, the Gandhi Dancer in, the, uh, in yeah. Station Square. Sing around and sit around, you know. In fact, Justin Brown played there. Oh, that's of course he did. Little B, uh, little B, Billy Joel. Hmm? Why not? S- sing us a song. Mm-hmm. You're the piano man. Harry Connick. Oh, very nice. Doctor John. And the five thousand fingers of Doctor T. <laughs> I don't want anything. No, please do. I don't want to that's know a anything cool film. about that. Hey, have a great weekend. God be with you. We'll see you Monday, God willing. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.